Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here. And I um, want to welcome you to Woven Covenant Church once again. We've been in a series uh, called Soul Food. And this Soul Food series is spiritual formation practices. Things that we can do that feed and nourish our souls, hence soul food. Things that we can feed ourselves. Things that have nourished Christian souls for hundreds of if not even thousands of years. So these are Christian practices that we feed ourselves, that are good for us, and that are necessary nutrients. Now, like all things, there's good food, there's not so good food, and I'm trying to bring before your palates, you know, not just for good tastes, but for strength and nourishment for our lives. Christian practices that will um, not only nourish, but also define us as Christians. Last In the last few weeks, I talked about how the early Christians in the spirit of hospitality, how hospitality is a a spiritual discipline, how they would open up their homes to plague victims and even go to the garbage dumps and pick up babies that were abandoned, uh, left to die of exposure, and they would take them in and make them their own. This strong spirit of hospitality, last week I talked about praying the examine and how every night before we sleep, We pray these simple words from a spirit of gratitude, and then we let God examine us. Today, I want to talk about praying the Psalms, praying the Psalms, and not just praying, uh, you know, we're teaching a lot about prayer, but in particular, praying the words of the Bible directly from the Psalms. Now, when it comes to prayer, I'm not going to ask you how many of you pray, I just want to make sure that everybody is following closely. When it comes to prayer, most Christians pray mm, spontaneously. We use words that, uh, that we find that are honest, and we pray the most honest words that we can speak. Christians have always prayed spontaneously, but we've also prayed in another way. We've prayed, and the classical way to pray is using a prayer book, using the prayer book of the Bible, which is the Psalms. And the Psalms, what happens is when you're in a, in a tough spot, um, when you're driving on the highway and someone just cuts you off and you're thinking in your head, no, I don't want to do this. No, I don't want to do this. No, I don't want to do this. What that becomes is a mantra. Um, I've really lately, I know Alyssa's going to love this, I've really gotten into Hamilton, the musical. I'm listening to it nonstop. That's actually one of the songs, ironically. And, uh, but there's a song where Alexander Hamilton is about to um, have an affair. And he sings this song, and it's a rap song. You know, that's what's so great about this thing. And he's singing, uh, please help me say no to this. Help me say no to this. Help me say no to this. And the chorus is singing in the background, say no, say no. Um, and history shows us that eventually he's going to say yes. And so you have basically a three-minute song where you know in the end it's meaningless. It's, 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 uh, it's useless. He's going to give in and he's going to make this mistake. But he's singing, help me say no to this, help me say no to this. And lots of times prayers function like that. They're kind of these thoughts that we just throw up, please, you know, please, oh God, please, please, please. Uh, but in the end, they're not very effective. The difference between a prayer that's just spontaneously mouthed, help me say no, help me not to find and chase this guy that just cut me off on the highway, help me to make the right choice. The difference is when we pray the Psalms, 
instead of repeating as mantra, we're repeating something directly from Scripture. And we know that the words that come from the Psalms are not only tried and true, they're not my own words. You see, friends, I've been praying for decades. And as the years go on, I, I have less and less confidence in my own words. I have less confidence in my ability to place myself into the presence of God. I have less confidence in my ability to talk myself out of a situation. If I'm in a bad spot and I start talking, I typically get myself in a worse place. I typically get myself either more confused, more self-focused, self-centered, and oftentimes what I need is not my own words. I need the Word of God. And that's why we pray the Psalms in a way to get us in the right frame of mind so that, so that we can navigate what happens in life without our own words, but the confidence that we have on the solid rock of Scripture. It kind of works like this. I'm going to ask Frank to pull up this video and so you can kind of see the way and the effect that this type of psalm prayer has on us. And the force is with me. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with the force and the force is with me. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with the force and the force is with me. One with the force. Come back! I won't spoil what happens. Um, but you can kind of see the point of this is that uh, there's this repeated phrase. This repeated mantra, and I don't want you to be afraid of the word mantra because the thing is, what we're talking about is not so much the power in the the repetition, what we're talking about is the power in the words that are repeated. If you have confidence in the words that you're repeating over and over again, you can rely and you can continually pray that. That's the different type of prayer that I'm talking about. I would not teach this to you guys, honestly, I would not teach this approach to prayer if... I not only practiced it, but fully believe in this approach. Having prayed for years and years, I really believe that this is not just a new way to pray. It is, in my opinion, the starting point of prayer. It's the foundation of all prayer. I'm not saying don't pray spontaneously, don't choose your own words. I'm saying let your words flow, but start with Scripture. Pray the Scripture Pray the Psalms, and from there, let your words come from that. Um, Eugene Peterson is a name that I want to introduce you to. He's the one who taught me uh, through his book, Under the Unpredictable Plan, and you have this extensive quote on the bottom of your notes. I learned from him what it meant to pray the Psalms. I learned from him what it meant to center all of our prayers from the Word of God And um, today, a lot of this stuff that I'm going to teach, it does come from Eugene Peterson. So, um, and really, Eugene Peterson was not teaching anything new. This really was the classic way to pray. The Psalms was intended to be the prayer book of the church. And so this is nothing new. This is not a different approach. This is just the classic way that Christians have prayed. So today, I'm going to teach how to pray the Psalms in three steps. Again, I didn't contrive this. This comes from solid teaching that, that uh, has been passed on throughout the centuries. The first step in praying the Psalms, the first fill in the blank in your notes, the first of three is preempt everything else. Preempt everything else. Start your day. So last Sunday, I taught about the prayer of examine and how at the end of the day, 
we self-examine, we let God examine us, we examine the presence of God, we, we finish our day with gratitude. This is a, this is a prayer, this is, this is a practice that is at the beginning of the day. It's at the beginning of the day. And mind you, I want to just say here that this is not just for monks. Monks are the only ones who have to practice hospitality and who pray, who pray at the beginning of the day and at noon, at five o'clock and before they go to bed and the bell rings every time and this is for priests as well as pipe layers. This is for ministers as well as middle schoolers. This is for mothers as well as preachers and pastors. This is for all people. This is a very accessible and easy practice. I'm not asking you the minute you wake up to go to the chapel and to pray for two hours. I'm simply saying start with the Psalms. How many of you start your day with your phone? How many of you use your phone as your alarm in the morning? I do. And so the first thing that you use, the first thing that your eyes, that you lay your eyes on when you wake up is your phone. And then the next thing I do after the alarm, I hit the snooze button, is oftentimes check my email. Um, And if I do that for two weeks, I've talked about this before, if I do that for several weeks straight, I start becoming a nervous mess. It, 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 It makes me jittery. But what I do instead is instead of going down to that mail app, I, 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 I swipe over to the Holy Bible app. The Holy Bible app. And if you look up the Holy Bible app, it's actually um, developed by a covenant church. I turn to that instead. In fact, the Holy Bible app is perpetually open on my phone. I never close it. I never swipe it away. And I keep that app open. And what I do is I read one psalm. So what I'm talking about is you just read and meditate on one psalm when you open your eyes in the morning. How long does that really take? You haven't even gotten out of bed yet. It's as easy as that. Preempt everything you do. Preempt everything you do in the day with a psalm or two. No more than that. Here's the thing. The question you might ask is, does this replace my Bible reading discipline? Does this replace my Bible reading discipline? And I want to talk about this a little bit here off on a tangent. And I'm going to say some things you might disagree with me, but at least consider what I'm saying. Consider what I'm saying. It is my opinion that the Bible was not to be read for devotional purposes. It's my opinion. I'll say that again. It is my opinion that the Bible was not meant to be read for devotional purposes. And yet, oftentimes, we read the Bible for devotional purposes. What I mean by this is, if, say, for example, you're doing your morning devotions and you're reading through Leviticus, I mean, really, how much devotion are you going to garner from that? On top of that, sometimes we misinterpret genres. I'm pretty sure the author of the history history books of the Old Testament, Kings, Samuel, did not write these with the intent that people would devotionalistically read them. The author wrote these as a record of Israel's history, not for devotionalistic purposes. Oftentimes, if we approach certain books of the Bible from a devotional standpoint, we're prone to make misinterpretation. For example, many, many people will will glean insight, interpretive and devotional insight from books like Nehemiah, which really talk about hard things about throwing, uh, casting out the immigrants from our midst and divorcing our foreign-born wives. How are we supposed to derive devotional practice from that? If anything, we will make mistakes in interpretation. What I'm saying is your Bible reading discipline, it is my opinion, is set 
aside to be read through. Know your Bible. If in the evening, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks, just put aside the John Grisham book or whatever's on the nightstand and finish the Bible cover to cover. The Bible was meant to be read. It was meant to be read. It was meant to be studied in groups. It was meant to be taught. But the one book in the Bible that was meant for devotionalistic purposes is the Psalms. The Psalms was always intended to be used for devotion. It was always intended to be used for prayer and for practice. And I'll prove it to you in a moment. I'll prove it to you in a moment. The other books, they were meant to be read. They were meant to be studied, maybe even memorized. But the Psalms were meant to be prayed. They were intended, not just for Christians, but for Jews. They were intended to be used for personal prayer. So, if you open your eyes in the morning and you're reading the Psalms, don't say, I got to get through this because I want to read and finish. Because what's going to happen when you get to Psalm 150 and you finish the Psalms? You want to start all over again. Friends, the thing about devotion is that we need words for our devotion. And for the rest of our lives and for our daily devotion, use the Psalms again and again and again. I know some of you enjoy Oswald Chambers. And he writes wonderful things. Here's the thing. Throughout the day, what you're recalling are the words of Oswald Chambers. Oftentimes, not the scripture. Wouldn't it be funny if Chirrut was walking like this and he said, Oswald Chambers said this, Oswald Chambers said this, Oswald Chambers said this, Oswald Chambers. But instead, he says, the force is one and I'm one of the force, the force is one, I'm one of the force. What he's repeating for him is meaningful. For us, if we repeat the words of the Psalms, you are my strength, you are my shield. You are my strength, you are my shield. You are my strength, you're my shield. You're my strength, you're my shield. You can see there's a lot of confidence in those words. And in the meantime, the laser blasts are flying left and right, and you're, you're calm and you're serene. And you're not sitting there saying, please, I'm saying no to this. Please, I'm saying no to this. I'm saying no to this. I'm saying no to this, no to this. And in the end, you say yes to it anyway. The Psalms, it's different from your Bible reading discipline. It's different from reading through the Bible. The Psalms are your prayer book, friends, Christians, church. It's your prayer book. It's given to you. It's meant to be prayed. So that's what you do. You start your day preempting everything else, reading a Psalm or two. It's easy, isn't it? I hope you understand, as your pastor, I'm not trying to give you advice on another, yet another way to do spirituality. What I'm trying to do is prescribe to you the way, the way. And, you know, it's a free market. We have freedom of expression. You can practice spirituality however you want, but I strongly recommend this as a foundational template. And so, you start off your day, you start off your day with a psalm, no more than one or two, or maybe, you know, a couple, but you're not trying to read to finish the book of the psalms. And what happens is the second thing. So number one, you've preempted, you've started your day with that. The second thing is you find a prayer. Find a prayer inside that psalm and make it yours. Find a prayer. So number one, start, start with a psalm. Preempt everything else. And number two, find a prayer. Locate something that really speaks to you. Let's try this. If you look on the inside flap of your bulletin, you'll see Psalm 3. And if you could pull up Psalm 3, I'll show you how this works. So you're waking, oh, there's bright, bright light, turn off the alarm, mail button, no, 
swipe aside, let's pull up the Holy Bible app. You're looking at your Holy Bible app and Psalm 3 comes on the screen and you start reading this. Oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. This was a hard week for me. I went to several death engagements this week. I put down my own dog uh, and was there on Tuesday and we saw the life literally drain out of her body. Poor thing, my dog of 13 years. It was so hard, so hard on the kids. Lost my dog of 13 years and then the next morning, the next morning I got a text message I don't know if it was the next morning or that same day, but either way, I I had to go to another funeral on Thursday for a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who was killed on a head-on motorcycle collision. So, my head is constantly down. I'm uh, constantly sighing. I can't control it. I'm just, every five minutes, I'm like... And then I remember these words. The words come back to me. You are the lifter of my head. My glory, the one who lifts my head. That's my prayer. My glory, the one who lifts my head. 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 Um, Maybe you have a parent-teacher conference and your child was biting someone. And so you have to sit in front of the teacher and you're so nervous and you're in front of the principal and you read this morning, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You, O Lord, are a shield about me. Isn't that so much better to have on the tip of your tongue? I mean, when you're about to go meet your child's principal, what, 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 what do you say? What do we repeat in our heads? Nothing. There's nothing to say. And then when, when it's left to spontaneous prayer, We don't know what to say. Why not come back to Psalm 3, verse 3? You're my shield. You're a shield about me. You're a shield. You're a shield about me. And listen to the rest of this. This is interesting. I was crying, verse 4, I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Salah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. I mean, this is wonderful fodder for prayer. You're about to have, you're about to give a a presentation to the board at work, and you're petrified. You're scared. What do you say as you're standing in the elevator going up to the C-suite to give your presentation? What do you say? Nothing. Well, how about this? I will not be afraid of 10,000s. I'll not be afraid of 10,000s. I'll not be afraid of 10,000s. Do you see the Psalms were meant to be prayers for us? And if I could just conclude chapter 3 of Psalms, I want you to hear these words. They're very interesting. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. How about that for a prayer? Shatter their teeth. Shatter their teeth. Smite them in the face, God. Smite them. I wouldn't necessarily prescribe that. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk about anger. So you're... I'm, I'm, you're, you, I'm serious. I'm going to talk about anger next Sunday. I'm going to talk about anger. I'm going to talk about anger. And 
I think it's going to be very, very helpful. I wouldn't prescribe that, but it's in there. Why not? Because after praying, shatter their teeth for a while, God's probably going to say something to you. Are you sure that's your state, the state of your heart? Here's the thing about the Psalms. The reason the Psalms are so important as our prayer book is because they are honest. Is because we Christians, oftentimes, we're too quick to go to the answer. Well, I shouldn't feel this way. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't judge. I shouldn't. But the thing is, we, we have to at least confront these things. We have to name the anger. We have to confront what we're really feeling. If you can pull up that video, um, I want you to watch this video that talks about honesty, especially from the Psalms. And I think this is really good. You'll actually get to see Eugene Peterson in person. Eugene Peterson, what, like I said, he was the person who influenced this, this whole, my whole understanding of praying the Psalms. He taught spiritual theology at Regent College, where I graduated from. And he's being interviewed along with another person that you might or might not recognize. And he's being interviewed by um, Professor David Taylor. David Taylor graduated also from Regent College and is now teaching theology at Fuller Theological Seminary here in Houston. And David managed to get Professor Peterson together with somebody else and to compose this video series, which you can Google and you'll find it available. But I wanted to show you this little clip about Psalms and the honesty therein. I got started uh, with this, uh, translating the Psalms by translating a Psalm for a certain person, just a single person, um, to try to get them to realize that praying wasn't being nice before God. I would translate a Psalm that I thought fit them. And you know, the Psalms are not pretty. They're not, they're not nice. And, um, and I would ask them, just pray this psalm using my translation. I think I'm doing it as about as close to the Hebrew as I can get it. And, but it's, it's not smooth. It's not nice. It's not pretty. But it's, it's honest. And I think we're trying for honesty, um, which is very, very hard in our in our culture. I, I'm talking about dishonesty, that I find a lot of, in, the, in, in Christian art, a lot of dishonesty. Yeah, right. and, I, and, I, and, I, and I think it's a shame because you got, these are people who are vulnerable to God in a good way. You know, vulnerable, I mean porous, open. I, I would love if, 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 if this conversation would inspire people who are writing these beautiful voices and writing these beautiful say, gospel songs, write a song about their bad marriage. Write a song about, about how they're, you know, pissed off at the government. Because that's what God wants from you, that truth, the way, the truth. And, and that truthfulness, know the truth, the truth will set you free. It'll blow things apart. Why I, I'm suspicious of Christians is because uh, of this lack of realism and I'd love to see more of that in art and in life and in music All right. so in case uh, you were wondering that guy looked familiar that 
was indeed Bono of U2, and talking about the Psalms together with Professor Peterson and also Taylor. Um, it's this honesty that we're talking about. You cannot pray if you don't even know what you're feeling. You cannot face your day and even adopt a mantra if you don't know honestly what you're afraid of. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. You're petrified. I'm not tempted. I'm fine. But you're on the verge of making a mistake. How can we pray honestly if we're not even in tune with what's going on deep down inside? You see, Christianity is so quick to jump to the answer. But the thing is, Judaism asks all the right questions. I was talking with a Jewish friend not too long ago, and he told me how for Jews, there are a million opinions. There's a million opinions on the Torah. And then I remarked and I said, that's right, if you had answers, you'd be a Christian. But the thing is, Judaism asks the right questions. We Christians oftentimes are so quick to jump to the answer that we don't wrestle with the questions. Why, God? Why does this happen? The Jews have a right to ask that question, why? Because they've suffered more than most. Why, God? There's no dissembling in the Psalms. There's no minimizing. There's no projecting. There's no pretending. Everything's fine, God. Everything's fine. No, there's honesty. There's honesty. Ironically, this week, I've been living in the Psalm. Uh, it's all been about how can, who can praise you from, from the grave. Who can praise you from the grave, God? That honesty... Well, the Psalms give us voice to that honesty. It allows us to speak the hard things. If we speak our own words, all we become are whiny complainers. But when we know that this is the Word of God, there's weight and there's depth. Wrestling with real hard questions, I think it's totally legitimate. So, backing up here, we start, first of all, number one, we preempt our day. Can you do that? You start your day with a psalm. And then secondly, what we do is we find a prayer. As honest as we can be with ourselves, we find a prayer. Let's say it's, you, O Lord, are a shield who lifts my head. You're a shield who lifts my head. And this is the third and last step. It's very simple. The third and last step is you recollect that phrase throughout the day. Recall, repeat, recollect throughout the day. You're driving on the highway, it's the lunch hour, you feel pretty good, and you're going back to your office, and somebody insane cuts you off and almost causes your car to go into the ditch. And you have it in your mind that I'm going to chase this guy down, or this lady down, or whoever, and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And instead of, instead of saying, Lord, help me say no to this, help me say no to this, help me say no to this, you said, wait a second, but I'm safe. There must have been some kind of armor or some kind of God's protection. By the way, this morning, didn't I meditate on something about that? What was that? Oh, something about armor. You're my art shield. You're a shield around me. That's right. You're, and then you remember, you're a shield. You're a shield around me. 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 And you repeat that instead of hunt this person down. You repeat, you're a shield. You're a shield. You're my shield. You're a shield around me. Oh, yeah, there was more. Something about lifting. You're the lifter of my head, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. You see, right now, I just memorized it. It's easy. 
You just memorized it. You are my glory. You are my shield and the one who lifts my head. That's who you are, God. When I'm tempted, when I'm struggling, when I'm fearful or afraid, I direct my thoughts to this instead. You're my shield. You're my shield. And just watch the laser blasts fly all around you and not hit you once. Do you believe it? I've experienced it. You're my shield. You're my shield. You're my shield. And so we recollect throughout the day. We pray throughout the day, essentially, what we read that morning. That's how this works. There are some circles, some spiritual circles that want to do 24-hour prayer meetings, that want to do prayers that, that last, and, and I've been part of that. I've done that. In fact, just recently, I participated in the National Day of Prayer. But the thing is, you can pray all day using the Psalms. That's exactly how we pray all day. We recollect, and it becomes our prayer. And I told you that I would prove it to you. That even in the Bible itself, even in the Bible itself, I'm thinking in particular of the book of Jonah. Now try reading the book of Jonah for devotional purposes. What kind of devotion can you garner from Jonah? We get caught up on whether it was a fish or a whale, which is completely besides the point. Who cares? It doesn't matter if it was a fish or a whale. That's not the purpose that we're, that's not what we're supposed to be meditating on throughout the day. What do we meditate on? It's interesting from within the, the fish or the whale or whatever it was, Jonah prayed something. He prayed. And did he pray, God, help me get out of this? God, help me get out of this? God, help me get out of this? Is that what he said? I'll tell you what Jonah prayed. Jonah prayed this. God, all your billows and breakers pass over me. Psalm 42, verse 7. And then he says, God, I am fainting away. Psalm 142, verse 3. And then he continues. He says, God, you brought up, you brought up my life from the pit. You've done it before. You can do it again. Psalm 30, verse 3. And he concludes his prayer saying, salvation is from the Lord. Psalm 3, verse 8. The whole prayer that Jonah recites from inside the belly of the whale, none of it is improvised. Well, it is put together. But it's not his own words. Friends, do you have confidence in your own words? Sometimes I don't even have confidence in the words I speak in front of you. That's not to say that I don't believe in them. I'm afraid I'm going to say something that doesn't make sense. I'm afraid I'm going to say something that is wrong. I'm afraid that I'm going to say something that doesn't connect. But when we speak the words of Scripture, we can have all the confidence in the world. And that's what Jonah does. He just prays Psalms again and again and again. I'm going to close with this last story. There was a time in my life where... um, I could no longer pray. I had spent hours every day, I kid you not, I prided myself on my prayer life. I prided myself on my prayer life. I was, uh, every night at uh, about 10 o'clock, I would get on my knees. I wanted to be that person that had, you know, ruined kneecaps because I prayed so much. And I prayed on my knees every night from 10 to midnight, from Monday to Friday. And there literally came a point where I couldn't pray anymore. Uh, There was some difficulty in my life. I was undergoing some depression, and I would start talking, and I felt 
like the words were not connecting with heaven. I felt like the words that I was speaking were just trying somehow to fix myself. The words were self-centered, self-focused, and it was about me, me, me. I didn't know, and I had to relearn how to pray. It's almost like, you know, going through the horrible experience of, of losing function of parts of your bodies and having to learn to rewalk. I had to learn to repray, but no longer prayers that were focused, that were improvised and just about me. I had to learn to pray scripture and put my confidence in words that were sometimes even written out in form. And I would repeat those words. And you might say, that sounds kind of, that sounds like, that, 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 doesn't, that, that doesn't sound like Protestant Christianity. That doesn't sound like something we evangelicals do. But we should. More and more Christians these days are discovering the power to form prayer. More and more Christians these days are discovering the usefulness of prayers. I'm not talking about Hail Marys that you don't believe in, that they work like a charm. No, 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 no. Understand, I'm not talking about charm prayers. I'm not talking about charm prayers. I'm talking about prayers where you believe in the words, the words are significant, and you can repeat them because you have full confidence in them. They come from the Psalms. Those are the kind of prayers. Those are the kind of prayers that we need to rediscover. And so in closing, listen to some of these words. You, O Lord, are a shield about my head. You're my glory. You're the one who lifts my face. You sustain me. I won't be afraid of the tens of thousands. And God, I could say, smite them and shatter the teeth of, the, of them. But I won't. I won't, God. I remember that. And that's how I really feel. But I won't say that. Instead, I'll say, bless them. Forgive them. And that's next Sunday service. Next Sunday sermon. So close your eyes. And just listen to Psalm 3 one more time. And let it start here. Start today. Start today with these words. Take something from here. And you say, that really helps, that speaks to me. Make it your prayer throughout the day. Remember Mr. Star Wars, remember Chirrut, as he walks through a sea of laser fire, just repeating, I'm one with a force and the force is with me. I'm one with a force and the force is with me. Well, instead, find your mantra from this psalm. Oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You've shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Salah. And so with your eyes closed, identify a phrase from there and repeat it in your mind. And make that your prayer for today as the music plays in the background.
Salvation belongs to you. Arise now, Lord. Save. Lord, you sustain me, and therefore I will not be afraid. You are my shield who lifts my head, the one who sustains me, and therefore I will not be afraid. So I know that, Lord, you've got this, and that, Lord, I can trust you, and that I can continue to find my strength from you. You are the one who sustains me, the one who lifts my head. I will not be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a Woven Church podcast. Woven Church is a multi-ethnic missional church that meets in West Houston. We invite you to check us out on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. To find out more, visit us online at www.wovenchurch.org. That's www.wovenchurch.org.